Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Sermon Archive. Today's sermon, for the 16th Sunday after Trinity, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments about today's sermon, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website, faithlutheran-aflc.org. Now let's join in and hear what God has to say to us today. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the psalm appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Psalm 27, verses 1 through 9, can be found on page 864 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Psalm 27, verses 1 through 9. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter, he will, in the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent, he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Heavenly Father, these are your words and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in your truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel in your name. Amen. You may be seated. What do you do when you feel like God has abandoned you? That's the question addressed by David in Psalm 27. Although it's not necessarily a direct question, it's not necessarily the impression you get from reading Psalm 27. But it's implicit for us this morning in the last verse of our section from Psalm 27. David utters these phrases. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Cast me not off. Forsake me not. What do you do when this is your impression of God's attitude toward you? How do you respond? How do you react? How do you try to convince yourself otherwise? Where do you go and what do you do to muster the faith that the Lord, in fact, is present and is present with you in your life? In Psalm 27, David guides us through the hard answers and perilous journey that this can be for every Christian who suffers. So this morning we turn our eyes back to the psalm and we see David's process. He starts with the truth of his confession. David began Psalm 27 with words of hopefulness. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom 
shall I be afraid? David knows these things to be true. But can the truisms of the faith and the right answers of our confession sustain us? Yes, of course they can, because they are true, because they are reality, because they are delivered to us from God himself. But sometimes, during the hard times, during our struggle, during our suffering, they might not seem like it. They might not seem like they're enough. When the heat gets turned up, sometimes the right answers fail us. Sometimes our confession feels empty and hollow. Sometimes we confess with the man who had a demon-possessed son crying out to Jesus, Lord, help me believe. Help my unbelief. Just look at the next verses after David's words of hopefulness. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise against me, yet I will be confident. David has hope he will come out all right in the end. He has faith it will turn out all right. David knows the right answers. And yet you can still feel that those evildoers and that enemy army weigh him down. That it's hard for him to work through. How do we know this to be the case? Because David, in the middle verses of our psalm section, intensifies his search for God's presence. And so David looks to the comfort of the church, to the comfort of God's house. Now, in trying to wait out his enemies, David still finds himself lacking strength, so he goes up to the temple. He goes to God's house, and he writes, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In the temple... For David, for all the Israelites, God has promised to reveal his presence. The temple is the place where God puts his name. The temple is the place where his glory dwells. And in the same way, we have the exact same promises in the church from Jesus. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Look around. More than two or three are gathered here right now. And so, Jesus is with us. And so, we have every right and privilege to turn to the church for comfort. We're strengthened by the hymns. And I was happy as the scripture lessons lined up and I chose the hymn. We chose three of my favorite hymns today. And in fact, one of my very most favorite is still coming up. We're singing Abide With Me after the sermon. It may be my favorite hymn after O Sacred Head Now Wounded. We find comfort in the music of the church. We find comfort in the words of the music of the church. We're reminded of the promises in God's Word. Think about the Scripture readings this morning. Think about the assurance that God knows what He's doing from Isaiah. My ways are not your ways. And to that promise, we should be uttering under our breath, thank goodness. God knows what He's doing more than we do. We're also in the church 
encouraged and built up by God's people. People in this room right now should be some of your favorite people. They should be people you look forward to seeing on a weekly basis. They should be people that automatically make you smile. People that reach out to you and call you if they know something's wrong or wonder where they are. Uh, Judy, I don't mean to call you out, but you should be comforted by this. So many people asked me, where's Judy last week? And when we found out, we prayed for you. And and we're joyful to have you back with us here this morning after all God did for you in the last week. It's a wonderful thing. We're encouraged, we're edified by God's people. And most of the time, it works. Again, listen to David's response to the comfort he receives from being in God's house. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David has found a refuge in God's house. He's certainly reminded of the promises in God's Word. He's certainly comforted by the music. And even though the people of God aren't necessarily explicitly mentioned, I have an idea that the shouts of joy belong not only to David, but to those who are gathered around him in the temple. These are all great and glorious things. All of this is a wonderful experience. And yet, it can fail. And yet, it can manage to not be enough. And so David, a third time, intensifies his search for the presence of God in his life. And so finally, David looks to the very face of God. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, Do I seek? Is this just merely another abstraction on David's part? Is David simply cycling back to put on a brave face to words of hopefulness in his confession? Not exactly. I don't believe that's just what he's doing here. Because at the precise moment when David seeks the face of God, we, as God's people, are invited and commanded by God's Word to remember and realize that God has a face. And that's literally all that matters for us. Why is that? Because when we remember God has a face, we remember exactly where God points us when we desperately need to know what he thinks of us. And he points us to Jesus Christ. Why Jesus? Isn't that just leading to more of the same cycle David goes through here? Not at all. Because in Jesus, God leads us to the concrete, rock-solid evidence that he hasn't abandoned us. In Jesus, God reminds us not only of what he's done for us, but also what he is doing for us and what he promises to continue to do. Just consider this one promise from Romans 8. 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Or maybe we can turn to 2 Corinthians 1.20, where Paul writes that all of God's promises, the whole of God's word for us, are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. But even as we probe the depths of Scripture, looking back for promises to hold on to, we can turn our eyes back to David's words here in Psalm 27 and realize that Jesus is the literal fulfillment of David's hope, of David's need for comfort. When David needs assurance, he too is turning to Jesus. Jesus is literally our light and salvation. He is the light of the world. He is the source and cause of our salvation. As David enters the house of God looking for the presence of God, Jesus literally is the presence of God because He's God in the flesh. He literally has the face of God. And all of this is to say for you and for me this morning that in times of trouble, And in times of suffering, and in times of anguish, and in times of loneliness, our faith doesn't need to merely be a source of truisms or wishful thinking. Because our faith is rooted in a tangible reality. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, suffered and died for you. That means... God knows what you're going through. God knows what your suffering feels like. In fact, God experienced suffering beyond what you can ever suffer. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, shed his blood for you so that your sins might be forgiven. And if the reason today or any day that you might lie to yourself and deceive yourself that God has abandoned you because you're such a wicked, awful, horrible person, God meets you with Jesus Christ. God meets you with the blood of His Son and washes you clean of all your sins. Jesus Christ... God in the flesh took your place on the cross, received the punishment you deserve for your sins, and then conquered sin, death, and the devil for you and left the tomb empty. And so now, by faith, you have access to God himself. You can go to God even as you fear God may have abandoned you. God invites you to come to him. You're invited before the perfect, almighty, all-knowing God of the universe to confess sins He already knows about so He can forgive sins you desperately try to cling to. You're invited to the very throne room of God so that He can have mercy on you. And the amazing thing about this psalm about all of God's Word, as God invites you, as God even commands you in His Word to seek His face, to look at Him, God Himself looks at you. When God looks at you, when God looks you in the eye, He too 
sees the face of Jesus. If he sees Jesus in your place, and God smiles, and God delights, and God is full of joy, not only because of what Jesus has done for you, but simply because of you. Because you are his child. Because of this, the tangible reality of what Jesus has done covers the rest of your faith. The truth of your confession, all of the right answers, all of the words of the Apostles' Creed we just said together, they're all true. They all matter because they all point to Jesus. And the purpose of church, the purpose of singing God's praises, and the purpose of being together with the people of God is to be together with the people of God to receive His benefits. The Word proclaimed, the Word applied in the sacraments. All so that you, right here, right now, no matter what, can know for certain that God is with you. He has not, He will not abandon you, He will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.